Welcome home, King of Kings. Great to have everybody tonight. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of James, which is where our main text will be tonight. You can go ahead and get ahead of me while I welcome our, our friends and family. Some of us got to be in the house tonight, the servants. Um, glad to have everybody here today to see everybody's beautiful face. want to welcome everybody watching online, all of our King of Kings Community Jerusalem members watching at home tonight. Welcome. Welcome back. Uh, and all of you partners and friends watching around the world on, uh, on the YouTube channel or the uh, Facebook Live channels, uh, King's Community Live as well, we welcome you tonight. Over 30 countries are watching us, and that's just the people that told us where they were watching from. Perhaps there are more. So if you're watching online tonight, make sure you, you drop us a note where you're, uh, you're logging on from. Uh, we're so grateful you're with us tonight. Uh, normally, I like to run through some of the names of, uh, uh, of the countries, but tonight, I just want to mention a couple of personal friends that are, that are connecting online. I want to just uh, mention Melody, who's watching us. Uh, Melody, great to have you tonight. And Marta, who is an intern here at King of Kings, is watching tonight from Sicily. Marta, great to have you, uh, as well as all of those that will be listening to this broadcast in the New Bedford uh, radio stations at King of Kings, New Bedford. Um, I was very blessed that you got a chance to see one of our other congregational campuses, King of Kings Community Herzliya. It's one of many. You know, we have 19 congregations now. So those of you that didn't know that, you can catch up with us a little bit about what's happening through King of Kings Family of Ministries at our main network website. It's www.kkm. That stands for King of Kings Ministries, kkm.network. You can see the list of all of our congregations, locations, and other ministries like our prayer houses and our humanitarian aid centers, our counseling centers. The Lord is doing some great things through this King of Kings family, and we're so glad that you get to be a part of it and that uh, we get to serve the King together. I want to give you a quick update about what's happening here in Israel. Uh, those of you that live in Israel, you already know this information, but for some of our guests who are not in the country, they've asked that I give them a quick update. Well, we are still under a fairly strict lockdown restriction. We have the maximum of 20 people can meet in a room together or 30 people can meet together outside. That includes social distancing, uh, wearing masks outside, or if you're close contact with somebody, hand sanitization, logging on uh, with your email address and phone number just in case something happens. So that's the restrictions we are still under. 20 in a room is the max, 30 outside. Um, uh, school is about to start, so pray for our kids that, that may or may not go back to school next week. Some of them are going to the classroom. Some of them are part-time in the classroom. Some of them are uh, distance learning from home. And a whole slew of families have seen the wisdom in homeschooling now. You see, homeschooling wasn't, wasn't cool up until about a year ago. But all of a sudden, homeschooling has become very cool. It's become the end thing, and a lot of families are going to it. So all of you homeschool families, be encouraged. You just might have been ahead of the rest of the pack. We'll see what the Lord uh, leads us all to do. So bless you homeschool families. And those of you that never uh, expected or never signed up when you had children that you were going to have to be their teacher at home, surprise. You are now the, the children's teacher just like the Bible said you would be. So enjoy this process. Enjoy this time. Let's see what the Lord would do in your family. As we turn to the Word of God tonight, I want to remind you of one thing, something that's been on my heart all day long. I shared it with our team and our servants before the service tonight. You know, the, the book of Psalm chapter 23 reminds us that the Lord is our shepherd, and there's so much richness packed into that, but the Lord is our shepherd. What does it mean? Just that one little phrase. I want to encourage you tonight that he's the shepherd that guards us from our enemies. But the good shepherd leads his sheep to green pastures, to fertile fields of grass. 
But the shepherd can never make the sheep eat the goodness of the grass. But tonight we can open our hearts. We can say to the shepherd, thank you for leading us to your word. We want to have open hearts and open minds and open spirits to what you want to share tonight. So I want to start with prayer. Father, in the name of Yeshua, would you help us to become the people who are ready to hear from you, ready to be touched by you tonight, God. Not to go through the motions of another week and another service and another online experience. But truly sit before you for just a few minutes of quiet. To log in, to, to lean in, to lock in to what you want to say to us tonight that might be relevant, that might boost our spirits in a time of great trial. God, let us eat the green grass that you've brought us to tonight in the name of Yeshua. Amen, amen. And listen, all around the world, we know this is a tough time. It's extended much longer than any of us had ever anticipated, maybe even prepared for. So hopefully you're in the Word of God every day. You're connecting with community groups. That's one way to get energized during the week. If you don't have one to connect with, log on to mine. I lead one on Tuesday nights if you want to join us. Go to our website. You'll find more information about how to connect with our, all of our small groups and community groups there. I want to also just say our, our blessings and our comfort, our condolences. We had some tragedies in the community this week. One of our, our dear members lost her mother. And uh, we, we buried her this week. She was a believer, so by God's grace, she is enjoying her time now. We had uh, a couple that, that lost uh, their pregnancy this week, and so our heart reaches out to them as well in prayer. And, and others that have lost their jobs, and uh, some that had hoped to be rehired that didn't get that news, and others' finances have run out. Listen, there is so much we could look at and turn our eyes away from the king and the great shepherd, but tonight, for just a few minutes, if you'll let him, he'll lead you to green pastures. He'll give you the nutrients that your spirit needs. In case you weren't able to join us last week, we were in James chapter 2. You can catch up on our main website for the congregation at kkcj.org, and all of the sermon and service archives are there. Let me give you a quick recap. We were warned last week in James chapter 2 to stay away from showing favoritism. We were challenged to see each person for their value as God's children, as royalty. Being sons and daughters of a king makes you royalty. It makes you princes and princesses. We want to value everyone's future and their destiny. Their destiny, destiny is to be rulers, to reign with the Lord Yeshua. Therefore, all of his children have great value. We looked at something like equality, and we said that equality is measured in someone's value and created destiny, not in their possessions. Equality is a big topic today, no matter where you are in the world. But remember, equality is the opportunity you were given to take hold of what you were created to do. But no one can make you do it. Equality is the opportunity. It is not the equal possessions. We also looked at why we are not all in the same walk of life. Why don't we all have the same job? Why don't we all have the same amount of money? Why don't we all have the same house and, and, and live in the same neighborhood? Why is the, does the Lord spread us out over all of the economic and social spectrum? And here's why. Because we are each called to a different harvest field. So God places us in different spheres of influence in different seasons of our life. Because there are people that need him. That's why he spreads us out. And we're not all the same. So that leads us into tonight, James chapter 3. I've entitled tonight, Slow Release. 
in our Faith and Faithfulness series, if you're uh, trying to find the archive title, Faith and Faithfulness series. You see, chapter 1 and chapter 2 of the book of James, they were very clear how God has called us to good deeds, not just saying that we believe in something, but, but having actions that exhibit and follow the faith that we profess. Faith should propel us to action. And if faith doesn't propel us to action, then we don't believe it. We might think about it, but we don't believe it yet. You see, faith has to show itself in the actions that exhibit our faith. I was reminded as we were preparing for this week's message and, and, and time together, the Lord kept saying, listen, there's so much richness in the word, and you can go so deep at times, and I want to I go deep with you at times. And what we try to do in our services, in our, in our discipleship classes, in our main uh, giving of the word, in our small groups, what we try to do is we try to hit you on several levels. We want to give you the, the overall picture and the context of what's happening. We want to give you a simple and straightforward understanding of what the Bible is saying, and then we want to go a little bit deeper so God can do something in your heart. But we're always reminded when we read the word of God to keep things simple. Habakkuk chapter 2 says, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that the herald may run with it. You see, write down what I showed you, but make it plain. Don't unnecessarily complicate things. Nehemiah chapter 8 echoes this. It says that they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. I often tell you this, and I want to say it one more time. We're not here to impress you on Sundays. We're here to help you on Mondays. And so sometimes we take the richness of the Word of God, we try to make it really simple to understand, and then we try to go deeper with that simple Word into the application of life so that our faith can be exhibited in our deeds. And that's what James calls us to. So let's jump into our main text tonight. James chapter 3. I'm going to read the first eight verses. That's going to be the main section tonight. James 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways, and anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a, a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of life of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are, are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Well, thank you, James, for that good news. Such an uplifting word there. He jumps into the tongue and then just shreds it. He just tells you all of the bad parts about the tongue and all of the, the things that it can do. It looks a little pessimistic from my uh, viewpoint tonight. You know, James, even in this, this first, uh, first eight verse section, he admits that we all sin. You know, Paul also says that in his writings. 
But James goes after something different than we might expect. You know, it's interesting. He says, hey, guys, we all sin. And so you might expect that that's the springboard to say what sins we should watch out for. Well, we all sin, guys. You know, so let's be careful. Let's not have envy and anger and and murder in our heart and adultery. And uh, let's not have pride and sexual immorality. Let's not practice deceit and lording power over people and cheating and all these things. We all sin. And you might expect that he might jump into a list like that. But he doesn't. We all sin. And then he goes after the tongue. And, and, I, and I think that might surprise us a little bit that that's what James felt at the time of the writing he needed to go after. Might even shock you if it's the first time you read that chapter, like he's going to set us up for some big, bad, ugly sin. Well, he did. It just didn't come in the form you thought it would come in. It's not talking about maybe the anticipated big, high-level sins the way you might think. He's going to go after the tongue. And he's going to convince us tonight how dangerous or how blessed the tongue is when used correctly. He focuses tonight on the power of the tongue, and he agrees with the writings of Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20 and 21, that says this, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You see, according to James, if you can keep your tongue from speaking evil, then you are able to keep your whole body in check. What he means is this. Let's make it simple tonight. The tongue is so hard to keep under control that if someone has learned how to master what they say, then all of the other temptations that come our way should be easier to control than the tongue. That's making it plain. That's keeping it simple. If you, can, if you can get this little muscle in your mouth under control, the rest of the temptations in life will look easier because this one is so hard. Because why? Because it brings life and it can also bring death. You see, the tongue, in his example, is like the metal bit in the horse's mouth that though the bit is very small and the horse is very large, If you control his mouth, you control where the horse goes. He uses the example of a big ship out in the ocean that this thing can just hold hundreds and hundreds of people, but it's it's steered by a small rudder in the back. As long as you can control the rudder, you can steer where the ship goes. And the tongue, he is saying, is like the bit in the horse's mouth or the rudder on a ship. If you can control that little piece, you can control the rest. It's such a key part of what God is calling us to do in the good deeds he is calling us to in our faith walk. He uses another example that the tongue is like a small spark that starts a large forced fire. Just a little bit can send, you know, fearsome fires. We had fires last week. I mentioned in our sermon last week that uh, unfortunately our enemies had had sent balloon bombs over our borders last week, and and they landed in the middle of a uh, of a dry season. You know, it hasn't rained for months here in Israel, as is pretty typical of our spring and summer and getting on into fall. And uh, everything's dry, so if a balloon with the chemicals and fire hits the ground, it just sparks everything. And so we had planes flying over in my backyard last week, putting out the fires because they were dropping the, the chemical that puts out the fires. 
just that one little balloon would drop and boom, it would light up. And the tongue is like that. A small spark, something said wrong, something hurtful, sets a spark and, and sends a, a domino effect of negativity into the situation. It's interesting because James doesn't speak very highly of the tongue, quoting him. It is a world of evil among the body parts. He says it corrupts the entire body. It is a restless evil. It is full of deadly poison. You may wonder, as I did, what in the world happened to James? It sounds to me like there's this disproportional response to, to James's perception of the tongue and what it can do and how bad it is. You ever come across a disproportional response? Something that doesn't quite match the scenario that you're talking about? I had it happen uh, to me one time, and, and uh, we, were, we were taking our, uh, many years ago, we were taking our community group uh, to an outing, and we all went to dinner together, and we had this really long table of about 30 of us in the community group. So we did like a group dinner outreach kind of a thing. And we all sat down for dinner. We had invited some friends and some unbelieving guests so we could just share the love of Messiah with them in a non-threatening environment. So we took them to dinner, and we had this long table. And I was trying to get from one side of the table to the other, but the, but the chairs were backed up to the wall, and so I couldn't get... I couldn't get all the way down, but my chair was like, you know, 15 down the row. And, 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 and you know, I, 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 was, I was skinny back then. And, uh, but even in my skinniness, I couldn't, I couldn't get past the chairs. You know, surely we've all done, we've, we've done, the, we've done the little, you know, scooch behind the chair because there's a wall and I can't read. And I'm leaning over the people, you know, because the chair is up against my stuff. So I'm doing this and I'm doing this. But most people are pretty courteous and they would, you know, they give you the, they give you the token movement like they're, they're scooching forward. They haven't actually moved the chair, you know, but, but they're going to, they're going to at least, show you the graciousness of acting like they're moving the chair. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, their hands, oh, excuse me, and their hands are on the chair, and they're, they're, they're wiggling. They're not moving the chair, but, it, but it's a token of saying, I'm trying. It's like that when you, you cross the streets sometimes. You know, it's, you, know you're, you start walking. In, is, in Israel, for those of you that don't know, in Israel, the pedestrian has the right-of-way in pretty much every situation. Israelis think the pedestrian has the right of way in every situation, regardless of what road you're on and what light there is and what street it is. It doesn't matter what time of the day, where traffic is, the pedestrians have the right of way. But sometimes if you're in a car and a pedestrian starts to cross the street, you know, there, there are some of them that, that'll just take their time. They'll look at you like, that's right, I got the right of way. I know you're in the middle of rush hour traffic, but look at me, I'm, I got the right of way. But then there's others who will give you the token jog. You know, they come out into the street, they, they see that the car stops, and they're giving you like, oh, oh. They're not really jogging, but they're going to show you a little bit of effort. You know, oh, okay, my heart is in this. I'm giving you a little, thank you. I'm hurrying. I'm scooching my chair. I'm not really moving, but I'm scooching my chair. And so everybody was giving me the token scooch, except this one dude. This one guy wouldn't even give me the token. And he was a little bit bigger than everybody else. So, you know, as measurements would play out from the table to the chair, to the back of the chair, to the wall, I didn't have as much room to scooch by as everybody else. So I got to him and I was like, hey, bro, do you mind scooching in? And he was like, I can't. I was like, yeah, but I, I can't. I mean, how are we going to, I can't get by. And so I was like, 
You can scooch in. And so I, I kind of, I did my best to go on my tippy toes and, and give him a little shove so I could get by him, you know, and it kind of it tilted his chair up because he couldn't slide, so it tilted his chair up. I didn't think anything about it. I said, thanks, man, patted him on the back, went to my chair, had a great dinner. About three days later, he called me and he said, I just got to let you know I'm so offended. And I said, what are you offended about? He said, I'm offended about what you did to me the other night at dinner. I said, uh, you got to help me. I don't even remember. What did we do at dinner? He said, you, you know what you did. Brother, I got to be honest with you. I have no idea. I didn't even sit by you at dinner. I was like five chairs down from you at dinner. I actually don't even remember speaking to you at dinner. What happened? Tell me what I did. He said, you embarrassed me in front of everybody else. I said, I did. What did I do? I don't remember talking to you. When you, when you so rudely pushed my chair. And I thought, okay, this is clearly a disproportional response. This guy's reacting to something. I, I did that, sure. But in the context in which I did it was, was no reflection on him, right? But I realized that something had happened to him in the past that was making him react the way he's reacting now. And as I was reading this in the book of James, James talks about, if you could control the tongue, the tongue is so evil. It's a restless evil. It's the worst body part. And you're thinking, of all the body parts, James? The tongue is the worst one. Something has happened to James, apparently. James has experienced something that has blown up that has hurt enough people, that has caused enough friction and broken relationships that James feels as he's writing to the community, we have to get a hold of this. Something has happened to me in my past, and I'm going to tell you we have to get a hold of it. So it might seem out of proportion, but James has experienced something. And I think that's what's coming out of his heart tonight. So I want you to hear that from his heart. A disproportional response often comes from a, a broken heart. You see, the idea that he says is that the tongue is a world of evil among the body parts. That stood out to me as I contemplated the other body parts and the dangers that come with all of the other body parts. There are many body parts, each serving various important functions. But each body part has their own dangerous aspect as well. The eyes are great, brothers and sisters. The eyes are wonderful. But do you know that the, the eyes are gates that let in a lot of evil if you don't watch it? The ears are wonderful. Thank God that we can hear. But the ears are gates that will let in a lot of evil if you let them. Your hands can do great things, but your hands can do a lot of harm to people. Right? Your, your feet get to bring the good news, and yet the feet can be swift to run toward evil. The body parts, there's a whole bunch. Your mind is such a fabulous miracle. The spirit and soul inside of you that, that thinks things and contemplates and meditates and what comes out of those times can be wonderful. But what comes out of those thought processes can also be evil. James, earlier in this book in chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 said, But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You see, what starts in the heart and the mind can lead to sin which leads to death. These are other body parts. This is something we have to contend with. 
I also want to encourage you tonight to remember this. That the seeds of the thoughts of sin are not always your own. Sometimes they are planted in your mind by demonic forces or the impact of the world around us. Maybe the sinful thought didn't start with us, but somehow it got into the gates, the eyes, the ears, the heart, the mind. 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us what to do in those moments. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to the Messiah. Our first key phrase tonight, sinful thoughts do not always start with us. So we are called to guard our mind. You see, the enemy is always trying to get in the gates. And that's why you've got to guard your eyes, you've got to guard your ears, you've got to guard your mouth, you've got to guard your, your mind, you've got to guard your spirit, you've got to guard your attitude. Speaking about, you know, guarding your words and how much power there is in words. We're going to start looking at that more specifically here. The power of words. What's, what's going on in words? You know, one of the, a recent psychological study had been done. And, and one of the findings is that when you're going through a difficult time, so it's very appropriate to today's world that we're struggling through. But that when you're going through something difficult, a situation, the, the more you complain about the situation, the more your emotional state drops. You know, doing this neurological study, these emotional studies, these chemical balance studies, that they can track what's going on in your mind and your emotions, your heart rate, etc., while you contemplate different things. And they found out that as somebody was explaining challenges they were going through, the more they complained about the situation, the worse all of their feedback got. Isn't that amazing, the power of words? The more you complain about it, the worse it gets. You take captive every thought. You, you don't let those imaginations rise against the Messiah because the Messiah says something different about you and your situation than the devil wants you to know. And watch out for the power of your words. Watch out for the power of your tongue. Ephesians chapter 2 says it this way. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. It's this idea of being influenced by the world around us, by our own flesh, but certainly sometimes by the devil and his temptations. I was actually going over these same topics with one of my daughters uh, just today, actually, we went over this. If you didn't hear about it on the news, in Israel, we're going through a second heat wave right now. It's the second highest temperature that it's been in the summer, and it's, it's really hot and humid outside right now. It's like, you know, figure out how to take care of the animals in a different way kind of hot. You say... Pastor, what do you mean take care of the animals differently? Well, if I could just pull back the curtain a little bit about what I had to do today to my animals because of this heat wave. We have chickens and quail and rabbits and a little bit of a farm, right? 
And so when, when chickens get overheated, they, they, don't, they don't do what chickens are supposed to do. You know, give us eggs. That's what they're supposed to do. And so what we have to do, believe it or not, our, we have a fine you know, chicken pen that they stay in. And we give them a lot of free-range opportunities. But when it's hot, you've got to take care of them. Give them extra water, extra shade. We've got one of our chickens that went broody. If you don't know what that means in English, that means she felt it was time to sit on her eggs. And then she felt it was time all week long to steal everyone else's eggs and put them all in this big pyramid that she's now sitting on. The problem is that it's the second highest temperature it's been all summer and she's inside the coop and refuses to get off her eggs. I had to put a fan out there for my chicken. I ran an extension cord, three of them from the back of the house out to the chicken pen, put it inside her little house right in front of her. You think she's a little princess. She's sitting there. I scooched the water right in front of her because she won't get off the eggs. She's sitting on the eggs and she's being like, served water and served food with a fan right in front of her. And the other, the other chickens that are running around outside, they, they're trying to find shade, but you can see them panting. They, don't have, they just can't get their body temperature under control. You know what we did today? We packed Ziploc bags full of ice today and went and put it outside, taking care of chickens. Went out there a few minutes later, and they're funny because... They're, they're so hot, they, they want to get on the ice. They want to stand on the ice. But it's also pretty cold when you stand on ice. And so they, they, were, they were like lining up in, in a circle. And they would just like walk over the ice and then get down. And they'd get in a circle and go walk over the ice and get down a circle. It was very orderly. And my daughter is out there going, oh, it's so hot. Like, Dad, I can't be out here. I can't help you with chores today, Dad. It is so hot. Dad, it is like hot. It's like we live in a desert. I was like, honey, it's Israel. We do live in a desert. It's so hot out here. Dad, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't even do my homework today, Dad. <laughs> of course she's going to go that route. Dad, I can't do it. It's so hot, Dad. So I took her aside. I said, listen, I don't know if you realize this, but the rest of us are also hot. Perhaps you thought you were the only hot one. Perhaps you thought none of us could feel that. We can all feel how hot it is. Look how wet my shirt is right now, soaking wet after working outside this morning. And so I taught her the power of the tongue. I said, sweetie, every time you say it's hot and you complain, it's going to feel hotter and hotter and hotter. And it's that way in our spirit when you're going through a challenge. Every time you sit there and complain about it. I don't mean acknowledge it and ask God's help. That's very different than complaining about it. But the more we complain, God is not doing it. My friends aren't helping enough. My boss is so bad. I can never break through. It'll never work out. No one loves me. No one's my friend. God's forgotten about me. You complain, complain, complain. The situation's going to get harder and harder, and hotter, and hotter. Watch out, friends, for the power of that tongue. Why? You see, because the tongue speaks words, and words deliver power. Words have power shown at creation. Why do you think God created that way? I've got up here many times and, and said a bunch of silly ways that God could have created the earth, but he chose to create with the power of spoken word. 
Showing you how powerful words are. Showing how, how powerful the tongue is. Power to move mountains. Power to create. But why is James focused on the tongue being so different than the rest of the body parts? And I didn't understand. I, did, I, really, I was kind of like, well, the tongue has power. That's maybe what God is trying to say. And that's good. That's a simple, clear understanding. It is true. And yes, it is part of the message tonight. But I felt like the Lord gave me just a quick nugget of something new that I had never seen before. I just want to share that in this last section. What's making the tongue so different than the other body parts? Well, the clue is found in our main text, James chapter 3, verse 8. When James says, after all his bad news, the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And it was the word poison that caught my attention. Because poison is something that often has a slow release and decaying element to it. It's something that gets in you and takes a while to work its way through you as you start to feel the effects of it. You see, words can get into someone's life. Words can get into our life. They can get into our heart. They can get into our mind. They can cause harm, not just for today, but words can continue to cause harm into the future. Because why? Because it's a restless evil and it is a poison if not used properly. This idea of poison, this slow-release poison is concerning to us. And for many of us, perhaps someone else has spoken words over you that have been slow-releasing poison throughout your life, that have repetitively played in your mind and in your spirit over and over. You're not good enough. You'll never succeed. You're not smart enough. No one's going to love you. You've never done anything worth anything. And no one will be your friend, your unlovely, whatever it might be playing in your mind. Words can release like slow poison over time and they can, they can plague us and harm us long into our future. But you know, words can also bring life to us. Proverbs says in chapter 15, verse 4, the soothing tongue is like a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. I remember a, a personal story. I was, I was in a congregational setting as a young boy. And at this particular congregation, they had a worship team and they had some side singers and, 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 and they were doing tryouts for singers. Some like auditions for singers. And I wasn't even there to audition. I was young. I was maybe 10 years old, 11 years old. I wasn't actually there for that. I think we finished youth group early and I just came in to sit in the auditions, you know. And as they would play songs, people would start singing songs. And, and I, I stood up, and I was just going to sing. And so I started singing the songs. And one of the worship directors, I, I guess she had come over close enough to me to hear me sing. And she said, no, that's, that's not good enough. You, you're not going to be on this team. And I thought, Wow. That must be some pretty bad singing. I wasn't even auditioning for anything, and I got cut. How did I get cut? I didn't even try out. But I, I remember why it hurt. It hurt because I came from a family of singers. 
all my family, mom, dad, sisters, cousins, grandparents, we would sit around on holidays around the piano and everybody's a beautiful singer. If you've ever seen the Gaither family sing, that's how my family does it around the piano. And that's why it hurt, because I was like, am I like the only one? Should I not go in the singing circle? Should I like be outside the circle? Am I so bad? I got cut, didn't even try out. And that played with me for years. Just that slow-release poison, that harmful word cycling through your mind, your mind, your mind. I wouldn't worship. I, I, w- I would never worship in congregation because I didn't, you know, God forbid somebody else try to worship and I'm ruining their experience. Until one day, I was at school. And, and these days, in school you would say uh, some opening prayers and you would say, the Pledge of Allegiance to your country, and then we would sing a song about our country. And so you'd just kind of stand there and you would sing your song every morning, the same song, just sit there and sing it. And one morning I was just singing, singing my little heart out about my country, and the teacher walked behind me and she stood next to me like during the whole song and I was kind of weirded out by it. I kept looking at her like, you know, I'm trying to sing. Or am, I, am I bothering you? I was thinking, am I singing so bad you've come to correct me again? So I stopped singing. And after the song was over, she said, why did you stop singing? And I said, well, because I thought you thought I was singing so bad. You were about to tell me to stop singing. She said, you were singing beautifully. I wanted to get closer to you to hear how you were singing. I can tell you must come from a family of singers. I bet you're probably one of the best singers in your family. You're certainly the best singer in this classroom. And all of a sudden, she was able to deliver a word of life in a, in a young heart that had been hurt. Now hear me clearly, I, I am not Ray. I am not Brigitte. I'm not Melissa. I'm not Matan. I'm not any of, of, our, of our wonderful worship team and singers and vocalists and Yael and the whole team. I'm not these, these guys and gals. But I can tell you this. That lady, that teacher delivered a word of life where there was poison in my life. And this is what God is asking us to do as believers in times of trial, not just in times of goodness and ease. Right now, during Corona, when everyone's complaining and it's getting worse... There are so many harmful words being spoken over one another and even over yourself. How do you know God's not using you to bring a word of life to someone? Maybe you're about to pull poison out of somebody's life with a spoken word. The power of the tongue. That's what James is going after. He's saying, body of Messiah, you can change someone's life if you'll use the tongue properly. Proverbs 26 says, like a fluttering sparrow and a darting swallow, an undeserved curse does not come to rest. And I'm, I'm saying that for anybody who's been spoken over with poison, you do not have to live in it. God gave you protection against it. He says an undeserved curse has no right to lay rest on the righteous. You can just shoo it away. I'm not going to be hurt by that. You know, this idea of slow-release poison, it came to me because it can be a slow-release poison or it can be a slow-release blessing in someone's life. 
You know, when you plant fruit trees, if anybody's ever planted a fruit tree, you can get all the dirt ready, put the tree in the ground, you can water it, you can put fertilizer on it. And, and in the beginning, the fertilizer helps the tree to get going, but fertilizer stays on top. It doesn't get to go down very far. But as the tree gets older and gets larger, the root system starts to go down deeper and deeper, and, and the fertilizer's not getting to it anymore. The water's barely getting to it way down in the, in the ground. And when summer comes and there's no more rain and the heat is sweltering, that tree is struggling. But there's a technique. What we do when we have fruit trees is in the cool season when we give them fertilizer and new soil, we also dig down next to the tree a very deep channel. And we stick this spike. It's a long nail. It's a spike, but the spike is not made out of metal. It's made out of vitamins. It's made out of fertilizer and, and nutrients. And you stick it down in the soil. You hammer it down in the soil as far as it can go, way under the, under the roots. And in its worst moment, when it's run out of fertilizer on top and it can't get water anymore, by the time the roots are big enough to get down there, it finally hits that blessing. And I've had that mental picture this week. Sometimes the words you speak, you don't even know how long it will take for somebody to need them. But they'll need them. In just the right moment, in just the right way, when it's the hardest moment of their life, they're going to remember a blessing you spoke over them. And that, my friends, is the power of the tongue. That's what James is going after. The power of the tongue. Because with the tongue, you can bring curse or you can bring words of life. John chapter 6 our final verse tonight. Simon Peter, the apostle, answered Yeshua, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. And they knew that every time they were in Yeshua's presence, he was going to give them life. He was going to give them nutrients. He was going to give them fertilizer. He was going to take out poison and put in something good. And so Peter learned this. And he said, Yeshua, you know, no matter where you go, what you do, we're never leaving you. And the reason we're never going to leave you is because you have it. You have the words of life. And we can't live without it. Believers, listen to me. King of kings, listen to me. The world needs you right now. They have run out of nutrients. Their fertilizer is gone. Their well is empty of water. This pandemic has gone on so long with people's physical ailments, their economic ailments, their vocational problems, their relational problems, they are running out of water. And it's you, King of Kings. It's you, Body of Messiah. You have the words of life because Yeshua lives in you. And you need to put that fertilizer down in somebody's soil. You need to correct the poison and pull it out. Give them something they can live off of. Do it like Yeshua did it. Listen to the book of James knowing the power of the tongue. It can bring life. It can bring death. A key phrase tonight as we close, the tongue can be used to slowly release hurtful poison or to bring life and encouragement in the moments we need the most. You see, James experienced something that shaped his leadership. He had seen communities deteriorate and blow up from the inside. He knew that the tongue could be used to bring life or death in his community. And now through his writings, he lets us know that our tongues can also bring life or death. You know, the tongue can 
encourage or it can tear down. It can release hope or poison. It can poison someone's mind or soul for many years. The tongue can start wars or it can end them. The tongue is a powerful body part. It can build up relationships or it can ruin them. This is why James is so strong in the power of the tongue. This is why James calls us so strongly to watch out, to tame it, because it's the hardest part of the body to tame, even though it's small. Remember, what the tongue can do is impressive. It's shocking. It can create a world. It can create a universe. And the reason it's so deadly is because not only can God create the universe with the power of words and the tongue, but speaking lies is the only weapon that Satan has. James knows that. James knows that it's the power of the tongue that brings life, and it's the only weapon of evil lies that Satan has. And James is calling us not just to believe words of life, but to be givers of words of life when the world needs it most, and that's today. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for enlisting us in your army. Thank you for saying to us you have an important role and function right now. God, we know you didn't make mistakes. You never do. You foresee what needs to happen. And Father, can we even be so bold tonight as to say this phrase, that King of Kings was created for this moment in time. That we as the body of Messiah in Israel and around the world, we were created for this moment. We were prepared for this pandemic. We were prepared for it. He selected us. From all generations, he selected us. And he says to us tonight, the world needs your words of life and encouragement. I selected you for this moment. Just like I selected Esther for her moment in Shushan. Just like I selected Moses to deliver the people and Joseph to save them. I'm selecting you, King of Kings, for this moment to bring words of life in one of the toughest times in our generation. Accept this assignment tonight. In the name of Yeshua, I pray. Amen.